That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. Greetings from Podcastville. It is Friday, June 16th, 2023, and we have got through another week, y'all. Thank you for coming to the show, the podcast. Today, I had the opportunity to talk to my friend, Lila Allman. We chat about a few things. Uh, We chat about life in general. Um... Just becoming, trying to to do our best to become better people. Uh, where she grew up, how her life has changed in terms of her confidence as a person. We talk about uh, what she does, works in charter schools. Uh, yeah, we talk about a little bit of everything. So this one is a good one, and uh, I hope you all enjoy. Because we were having a deep, we were having an interesting discussion. He's a very interesting. He's very interesting. Um, yeah. Do tell. And I think that sometimes it's the people who don't say much that have the most to say. Oh, for sure. He's one of those guys. And I think... He, this what, thing needs some WD-40. It does. You want me to get you a better chair? You have another one? Actually, I'll just lock it. That works. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> And I think, yeah, I think he falls into that category mm-hmm. where when you start talking to him, you're like, oh my gosh, you have an interesting life. You have interesting perspectives. You mm-hmm. have a lot to say. He and Jason go to dinner. I've gone to dinner with him before. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's cool. I like mm-hmm. him a lot. Sunil, we're talking about you. I know you're going to listen Oh, you're to recording? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was at dinner with, um, we were at Chili's, me and Brittany and Rachel. And Jason drove into the parking lot and Rachel goes, he's following you to Rachel or to Chili's. And I said, no, no, no. He's probably having dinner with Sunil. Uh And they both just looked at me and they were like, wait, what? Jason and Sunil. And I said, yeah, they're good friends. Uh And they're like, they have dinner together. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've got a dinner with him. I like him. I love Sunil. You heard it here first. Sunil is next. Sunil's next. Do it. This is coming from Lila Almond. And when she says things, they're a must. It's, they're a must. They're not like a... It's not questionable. You just do as you're told. Sunil. Must comply. Yes. <laughs> Who else can we rope into? Who are your... Thank you for Let that. Let me ask you a question. Okay. What podcasts do you listen to? Like, what are some of your favorite podcasts to listen to? Uh, Joe Rogan. Okay. Um, I used to listen to a lot of Radio Lab. Have you heard of that? No. I want to. I want to say, Radio Lab was a branch of NPR. Okay. I think. Um, Radio Lab, and then uh, This American Life. I've heard of that. I listened to a few of those, uh, and then there's another guy, uh, Theo Vaughn. Yeah, I the love Theo Vaughn. Listen to some of his. Yeah. But you know what? In the last two months, I haven't really listened to a lot of podcasts. Because you know what I noticed? Mm. 
I noticed that podcasts were becoming, um, what's the word? I wasn't as productive. Mm, Oh, okay. Because I was pushing away the things that I needed to think about and focus on and listening to podcasts as a way to put that other important stuff in the back burner. So I came to the realization that I can only listen to podcasts when I'm doing something that is completely mundane and it doesn't take any mental energy. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. Yeah. So, so I'll listen to podcasts when I'm walking mm-hmm. or if I'm in the car. Mm-hmm. But I never listen to pod. I work from home. I never listen to podcasts during the day or when I'm unless I go for a walk. Oh, man, that burp. You might smell it. I hope that not. Is gonna stink. I'm glad you blew it. I'm sorry. That way. <laughs> I just wondered what you listened to. Yeah, and I also started um, listening to Audible books again. Yeah. Because, so when I first moved here, I felt like I had the biggest change Mm -hmm. in my, mm, the way I thought. From California, you mean? Yeah. Uh Um, My mental structure or my, what's the word? Like, um... The way I was thinking about things, I was in a growth mindset Mm -hmm. and I was listening to a lot of books about, I know I still have an ego, but I was listening to books about the ego. We all have ego. Say that again. We all have ego. Yeah, we all have an ego. It's just learning about how to control it. Yeah. And um, so I was listening to like that or things about, you know, growth and Mm -hmm. how to self-help books. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that after a while I stopped listening to those. And I was in a plateau. Mm. And so now that I've gotten back into that mindset of wanting to grow as an individual and in my business, mm-hmm. then I started listening to Audible, Audible books again. So I'm, I haven't listened. I just listened to a podcast today. But other than that, I've kind of taken like a break on it. Yeah. And I've done more Audible and then just no books. So that this is the problem. When I don't listen to anything... Mm-hmm. there's uh, a voice in my head that tells me to get off my ass and get shit done. Mm-hmm. But when I listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. I'm listening to other people's conversations. So that voice in my head is silent. Yeah. And I'm not making progress or I'm not even pushing myself to make that progress. It's a distraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's kinda, a balance there. Like you said, sure. you can do it when you're, you can listen to a podcast if you're doing something mundane. Mm-hmm driving or mowing the lawn, mowing the lawn or yeah. something like that. But yeah, it's easy to get distracted because. Yeah. But I was distracting myself for like the last three years, you know, you think so? Yeah. Like okay. just podcast every day or like when I know I'm really distracting myself is if I'm listening to music mm-hmm. when I'm not driving. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds odd. No, it doesn't sound odd at all. I, it's funny as much as Jason loves music and it's such a core of who he is and he likes to play music and create music i almost never listen to music yeah the only time i listen to music almost is never. at the gym mm-hmm. or driving to the gym mm-hmm. that's it yep but everybody's different right everybody's different everyone has different things yeah that they like to do different creative outlets Dis- but distractions i mean we all need distractions now and then mm-hmm. that i think it shows good self-awareness that yeah, you I've... knew okay I need to get back to the audible books or reading or mm-hmm. that growth mindset. Yeah. 
But if you are always in the growth, if you don't plateau, then you can't ever have that growth again. That's so true. a plateau is necessary sometimes. Yeah, that's true. And it gives me a gauge. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's like lifting. Yep. You can't always be in a strength cycle. Uh-huh. Sometimes you're just going to the gym mm-hmm. and maintenance. And then you can do another strength cycle. Yeah. This last six weeks has been really good. You helping with the macros and us You're crushing it. doing the lifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's helped a lot. But people are telling me I'm getting thin. I, maybe I'm getting too thin. Like a skeleton, a skeleton boy. You are far. <laughs> it's all about what, I mean, I think sometimes my perception is sometimes I've noticed people say things like that when they see someone working hard. Mm-hmm. And that person is consistent and that person is getting results. Yeah. And maybe they feel a bit, not threatened, but maybe intimidated, like, because they can't or won't or haven't. Uh-huh. And they see you. It's just my perception. Like, I just don't understand people who t- who tear other people down when they're succeeding, right? No, like, I'm just kidding. They're not calling me too thin. Yeah, but... they are. I, oh. heard, I heard I'm talking. No, I'm just <laughs> oh, kidding. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm what's just wrong joking. with him? His, his, his ribs. I can see his bones <laughs> through his skin. No, it's a good feeling um, for them to tell me that I'm thinning, but or well, at least toning up. Yeah, I mean, you wanted to yeah lose fat and get stronger, and you did. But I think I'm at the lightest weight I've been in probably the last three years. That's what you were saying. I know this. I just after I showered, I weighed in at 191. Yeah. It's not, I want to be at like 195. So, that's, but that's just a few hundred calories a day you can add back in. So you think just a couple hundred? Yeah, start there. Okay. Just gradually go up. And your body's going to respond quickly. You're young and you take care of yourself. Okay, ex- explain this just to don't, me. Don't pound beers. That's not going to help. Yeah, I don't drink. Okay. I mean, occasionally. Yeah, we all do occasionally. Yeah. So explain this to me. When I, was, when I was doing the strength cycle, I was eating roughly the same amount. As I've been eating in the last week, mm-hmm. but I was somewhat maintaining my weight. Mm-hmm. But then the last week and a half, I hurt my back, mm-hmm. and I I've been eating roughly the same, but I'm dropping weight. Is my muscle? Is that what I'm losing because I'm not lifting? Uh, it's probably just inflammation. Yeah, I mean, just as you're lifting, those muscles are. Jason could explain it much better, and I'm sure more scientifically. But you're not losing muscle in a week. Okay. It's just fluid. Okay. And also, it's been hot as shit. Yeah, it so has been. So, we're all sweating more. We're losing salt. We're losing water. Mm-hmm. So, you're fine. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to lose your gains in a week. Okay. So, that's good. I'm it's open. probably good just to rest your body. Because it is inflammation. You hear a lot of people say, <laughs> I took a week off and, you know, I lost this many pounds. And it's like, yeah, because CrossFit, high-intensity workouts that we all do... They create a lot of inflammation in our body. And that's why anyone who really wants to focus more on fat loss, they probably shouldn't be wadding but once or twice a week. Mm. And the rest of it should be low intensity walking. You can get on the bike. You can do some light. Like you can lift. You should still lift, especially women. Um, Just because for us as we get older, our bone strength becomes more of a concern. So... You should always be lifting, but it's just inflammation. Gotcha. Creates that makes a lot sense. of inflammation in our body. Yeah. 
Yeah, We're all chronically sense. like super like inflamed because we do high intensity workouts all the time. Mm. Okay. So. So a couple hundred more calories and I'll be okay. Yeah, I'll start there. What about like a bowl of cereal at night? Oh, that's so good. Like right before bed. Yeah. You'll sleep like a baby too. Okay. Those carbs hit your system. Uh huh. Zonk right out. Okay, I'm gonna do that. Do then. it. But not like the super sugary. No, you okay. want to have. Honey bunches. I don't know. I'd have to look at it, but you know, try to not get the sugar bombs. Like cinnamon toast crunch is too much sugar. Huh? <laughs> yeah. The cinnamon toast crunch is bomb. What's your favorite cereal? We've talked about cereal before we at the district. Have. Oh, and we talked about that one cereal, Cereology. the H-E-B. Yeah, but do they still have it? Or they yeah, they stopped it? making it for a while and now it's back. Okay. But it's super high sugar. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. The, what's your go-to? Um, For me, you know what I bought the other week? That was so good and I hadn't had it in forever. You know what you look like? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be rude. Thank you. You look like a raisin bran type of person. I don't like raisin bran. Raisin nut bran. Yes. Good? Yes. <laughs> but I bought honeycomb. Oh, honeycomb's bomb. So good. Honeycomb was probably one of my favorite cereals of all time. It was so good. I was like, how did I forget about honeycomb? Yep. It had been so long since I had it by now. When I was a kid, I remember eating kicks. You remember kicks? Oh, yeah. I loved kicks. What about um, tricks? Was yep. that the other one they The had bunny rabbit? Out? Yeah. Love golden cereal. grams. I love golden grams. Mm-hmm. Those are like, um, what are they called? Like the graham crackers, but mm-hmm. in the cinnamon toast crunch squares. Yeah. Yeah. Without the sugar. I remember those. Yeah. They're not as sugary as mm-hmm. cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah. Apple Jacks. That's some good cereal. Good too. stuff. Don't like Fruit Loops. They taste like paint. Really? Well, I don't know. I've never eaten paint, but they, to me, they taste how paint smells. Like they just have a weird chemical. Interesting. Smell. Interesting. Don't be thinking I eat paint, people. No, I, I don't think it, but... Mm. I remember... I don't know why I just had this weird memory, but... Um, it made me think of cereal, and, like, when your kids are young and they eat cereal, and I remember... It must have been, like, 2009 or so. Jason was deployed um, to Afghanistan, so Kellen was maybe... Oh, my gosh. Like, kindergarten or first grade. And I remember... Him waking me up and saying, Mom, can I watch cartoons and get a bowl of cereal? Like, he had reached that age where I didn't have to be up when he was up. And I was like, yes, you can. And I went back to sleep and I just remember thinking, okay, we've reached that point where he can get up, uh-huh. make himself a bowl of cereal, turn on the TV, and I can sleep for another hour. <laughs> fascinating. You told me this. Mm-hmm. I forgot when it was. Mm-hmm. But it's fascinating because that's a milestone in your head. Mm-hmm. Like something like that is a core memory for you. Yeah, and I think probably also because um, Jason was deployed at the time. And so sometimes those things are more memorable because it was hard to, you know, basically be a single parent at that time. Uh-huh. So sometimes those things do really like click in my brain because I guess just that was... A hard time. Do you remember the first time you he brushed his teeth on his own? No. Do you remember the first time he wiped his ass on his own? No, but I remember when he decided that he was going to be potty trained. Because he this is Kellen. Like, he's always been like this. He woke up in the morning, and he was barely two. He was young. And he woke up in the morning, and he was always hyperverbal. He talked really young. 
he talked in full sentences really young and he woke up and we were living in Georgia at the time and he was both the kids were in daycare so I said okay you know we got to get ready and he said mom I'm gonna wear underwear to school today I'm not wearing diapers anymore and literally that was it he was potty trained wow he's so stubborn he's always been like that but there are times when it served him well you know Uh so i do remember that interesting because i remember going to take dropping dropping him off at daycare and telling his teacher hey like i here's a bag full of clothes i don't know what's gonna happen today and when i picked him up she was like he was fine wow (laughs) almost like he already knew what was Mm -hmm. going on and he said all right, mm-hmm. I've tortured my mom enough. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> so, no, I do remember that. It's you know, funny how we remember things. Yeah, you know what's interesting is there is, just because you bringing that up, there mm-hmm. are so many different things that I can talk to you about right now. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go back real okay. quick, and then we're going to come back forward. Okay. One, what's your favorite flavor of these Zevia drinks? The grapefruit citrus. Are you, uh, like, a... A fruity mandarin, you like oranges? Yeah, I love fruit. Yeah. What about sodas? If you were to drink a soda, like an orange soda? <laughs> the only soda I like is Diet Dr. Pepper. And mm. I don't normally keep it in the house, mm-hmm. but I'll get it. Like, if we go out to eat, I'll get it. But I, but that's about it. I love me some root beer. Mm-hmm. Root beer and cream soda. What Those about, two um, oh God, what is it? My mom, so my parents are from the Midwest, and there's this horrible soda there. It's called Verner's. Never heard of it. Does it taste like black licorice? No, I don't even know. It smells like Windex. Really? It's the most horrible. It, really? I. It's not, is it a ginger? I don't know. I like ginger ale. It, but it's not, it's ginger ale on crack. Interesting. It's, it's like, it's just, I'm going to buy one one time and we'll Please. just taste it. Please, we'll do another podcast. <laughs> we'll have a taste yeah. test. Verner's. Yeah, because my parents are from the Midwest. So there's some different things up there. Have you ever had Jones soda? Mm-hmm. I love Jones. They get good soda. Okay, switching gears again. Okay. What podcast do you listen to? So or Audible books. Do you listen to Audible books? I don't listen to Audible books. I used to be a big reader, but I read mostly fiction. Okay. Like that was kind of my, um, I, for a long time I wasn't, I'm still not a huge TV watcher, but I'd love to read books, just fiction books. I got an amazing book for you to read. Okay. But it's not out yet. Mm, uh, I think uh, I know which one. Uh, and um, I did listen to that podcast and I'm excited for when his book gets published. Me too. Robert, we're talking about you. <laughs> um, so the podcasts that I listen to are... Um, I have a couple CrossFit podcasts that I listen to because I'm just a CrossFit nerd. And those are like my just, you know, light fare, I guess. There's mm-hmm. nothing serious. But then I listen to, have you ever heard of, I think his name's Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah. The 4-Hour work week. Love his podcast. He mm-hmm. had a really good one with Renee Brown that I listened to this week. Um, in fact, I posted a snippet of it on my Instagram story. And let's see, have you ever heard of Neil Brennan? Mm-hmm. Have you listened to his podcast, Blocks? Mm-mm. Have you watched his comedy special? No, but I, I've heard of his name. So you should watch his comedy special, Blocks. Okay. 
And it's really different. Okay. It's a comedy special, but it's all on this premise of the things in his life that make him feel different, weird, less than, not good enough. And he has all of these like physical representations of them and he calls them his blocks. And so it's a really different type of special because it's hilarious and it's funny, but he also talks about his depression and mental health history. And it's just, it's really good. So after that special, he started another podcast called Blocks. And so he has people on, other comics and, you know, mostly like famous people or whatever. But they talk about their blocks. And so I like it because it's not the typical, I would say, interview with someone who's famous or another comic because they really talk about deep stuff and they get really vulnerable and it's really good. Interesting. So you should. Okay. But it's also funny because they're comedians. They're comedians. And they know how to make light out of a weird situation. Yeah. Like they can talk about serious stuff and it doesn't feel super awkward. Yeah. And anyway, that one's good. You should try that one. Okay. Rogan. I mean, it's Rogan. Yeah. It's he's always funny. Um, he's not that funny though to me. Sometimes his guests are. Oh man, sometimes that's he has, what it, like him with Theo Vaughn is the best. Yeah. And I like his podcast with certain people. You know who Andrew Huberman is? Oh, and yes. What's the other one? No, I was gonna say, and then I have a, a shit ton of true crime podcasts that I listen to. Again, I was gonna say, I'm a big nerd. Listen, so what is it with women? <laughs> What is it? Like, women love to hear about other people getting murdered. I don't know. <laughs> the other thing I love is documentaries, like on Netflix. About just, murder? Any, I just like documentaries. But yeah, the murder ones are pretty good. You know what? I, and Jason I, will come out and be like, why are you watching this garbage? I'm like, it's so good. I don't know why. I think it stems from the fact that there are, for a female, I could be wrong. No, throw okay. it out there. I think it stems from the fact that out there for females, there are much greater threats to their safety than there are for males. Mm. So for a female to watch this and learn about different tendencies that certain men have and certain things that they can pick up on, it might be like a, 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 a quote unquote proactive defensive learning thing where you're trying to see how these things occur so that a female can understand yeah. How they happen and then also protect themselves in the future. Or women are just nosy and they just want to know what the fuck's going on. Or we're just trying to plan all the murders. <laughs> that could be it too. It's research. You think it's, you can... it's re- no, so I have two thoughts on that. Okay. Number one, I really love, um, I don't know what it is, like investigating, investigative work. Like I think it would be really fun to be... Some like puzzles, sort of huh? crime investigator. Yeah. So for me, that's part of it. Like I like to hear the story of how they solved the puzzle. Uh-huh. Um, but going back to what you said about women and safety, I had this conversation just a few months ago with Jason. I don't remember how it came up. We were talking about, you know, because I travel a lot. I used to travel a lot for work. I still travel a little for work, but I used to travel up to two weeks out of every month for years. 
And something came up about that in safety. And I said, yeah, I was, there were countless times that I had a weird vibe or I didn't feel safe and I had to sit in my car longer than I wanted to or get off on a different floor on the elevator than my room was on. Like it just happens all the time. And you don't, I think, I don't know a single woman that I know who hasn't had some experience Mm. where they had to duck into a store because they felt like someone was following them or you name it. So I do think that that is a really real thing. I don't know if it's why I like true crime though, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that happens all the time. It does seem like a cop. It is. It's, it's like, I, I know what you're saying. Cause I know a lot of women who listen to true crime yes. podcasts, read true crime books, watch documentaries. And that's the one thing that most, if not all women have in common is the mm. fact that there, there are more threats out there for them than there are males. Mm-hmm. No, it's very true. Or maybe we're just problem solvers. That could be it too. Or problem <laughs> creators. I mean, just both. kidding, ladies. Just kidding. It could be both. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. <clears throat> Shoot. What was I just going to bring up? Oh, you think you can get away with murder? With with everything you've seen and everything Oh, you've no. Seen? Not me. Mm-mm. I would be, t- I'd feel too guilty. I'd be acting too, no, 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 too but sketchy. Let's say. I let- can't even lie effectively. No way. Mm-mm. How would you go about it? If you had to kill them, where would you where would you hide them with if based on if based I on, killed someone in a ditch somewhere would you dig a hole what would be the way to go I don't know put them into a meat grinder I don't have a meat grinder then you got to rent a meat grinder yep. and then there's a paper trail uh-huh. so that doesn't work I don't know you got a lot of property I just dump them on your property let you deal with this and what would be the that would probably be the best way huh just go on somebody's ranch thousand acre ranch and just go I mean there's how many missing people I don't even know hundreds thousands how many missing people are there in the world that we've never found the body oh if no there's so mi- most millions. bodies don't get found yeah yeah you know it's always like the stupid person who dug a shallow grave like okay that doesn't work yeah. I don't know. I have a friend who sent me um, a map of U.S. cave systems. I've seen that. Yeah. Isn't and missing that, people mm-hmm. map. Mm-hmm. And they like link up. Are there any caves around here? Oh, yeah. There's the back cave. There's the... Natural Bridge Caverns. Well, yeah. But there's the one that... Um, is it the Bracken Cave where all the bats come out? Oh, that's in Austin? Yeah, but I want to say... It's maybe between here and Austin. There's something semi close to us. I know what you're talking about. I mean, I have an idea. You know, there's a massive cave over there in Stone Oak. No. A huge cave. In where? Yeah. Um. I assume it's blocked off. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But. Um. Uh. Josh Atkins. Uh huh. And Alejandro. Uh-huh. They were telling me that they used to go back in the day because they grew up here. Mm-hmm. I think it was Josh Atkins. They would go to that cave and they would go into it and it would go down like hundreds of feet. Mm-mm. Like a massive cave. That's how you die. I would do it. I know you would. I'm not like a risk taker though. I wouldn't do it. When I was in California, we would go out to the desert and go into the mines. Mm. Like the old mines. Hmm. Those are cool. We would explore those. 
What do you miss most about California? Um, definitely the landscape. So public lands in California mm-hmm. is very, it's big. Mm. I, th- I want to say. Like you can go camp yes. and you can just, no one owns it. Correct. I guess Texas is mostly privately owned. Yep. Yeah. People, it's funny when I talk to people or tell people about public lands or mm-hmm. mention it, they're like, oh, what is that? Because they're here in Texas. Mm-hmm. I've heard that only 5% of Texas is considered public. Probably. 95 is private. Yeah. Where in California, I want to say, I could be getting these numbers completely wrong. Texas, I'm pretty sure about. California, uh-huh. I want to say like 70% is considered public. Wow. Yeah. So every, after I turned 18, I would say like at least once a month, if not twice a month, mm-hmm. we would just load two or three cars up and just go either into the desert, to the mountains and just camp, yeah. build fires. Stay up till three in the morning, bump music, nobody's around. And, and nobody can do anything because it's public. Exactly. Mm. And I miss that so much. Do you think you'll ever move back? Not to California. No. No. It's just, even though it had that public land appeal, the people there and the way, how crowded it was and the cost mm. of living just, it offsets the benefits of having that yeah. public and land. And you can go back and visit. Yeah. Yeah. Because most of your family, your mom's side of the family is there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, basically my whole mom's side. Mm-hmm. But then my whole dad's side's here. Mm-hmm. But I'm much closer to them, my mom's side, because that's where I grew up. Yeah. Um, it's just a short little drive. Only 18 hours. <laughs> 19. I've done that drive so many times. Yeah. I would reckon I've done it 20 times. You go through my hometown when you drive. Oh, yeah. Where's your hometown? El Paso. Okay. Mm-hmm. El Paso. Like... The big city or outside of El Paso? No, in, yeah, the big city in El Paso. Mm. That we moved there when I was in third grade. So where were you born? Indiana. So both my parents are from the Midwest. and This is a perfect little segue. Yeah. You're, you know what? This, you should be a podcaster. I should. You know how to, how to segue I'll the conversation. A, I'll be a podcaster next. Um, so tell me, tell me. So my parents are, my mom grew up in Michigan, my dad grew up in Indiana, my dad worked for General Motors, and so when I was eight in third grade, he got relocated to El Paso, which that's a pretty big, like, culture shock. Oh, yeah. And I grew up in El Paso. The first day of school, I met my three best friends that I'm still friends with today. Wow. Um, we're all turning 50 over the, you know, the last year. And, um, what you were eight mm-hmm. in third grade mm-hmm. and you're still best friends today. Mm-hmm. That is fucking cool. Lila. So we just in September, so two of them live, so there's four of us, two of them live in Austin. I live here, one still lives in El Paso. So the one in El Paso was the first one to turn 50. So the three of us flew out there and surprised her. And then a call, in April, the second one turned 50. And we surprised her at her her house. In so, Austin? Yeah. Yeah. So. Who's next? Well, I turned 50 on Monday. Oh, that's right. Happy, happy late Thank birthday. You. I'm sorry. And then um, the last one turns 50 in... September. So I think we're going to do a combo. Like Hold on a second. Her and me. Did those ladies fly out? No. Give me their numbers. <laughs> One's in Switzerland. I am so. pissed. <laughs> no, no, no. I, um, 
we're going to do something in September. Okay. For the next one. But anyway, graduated from high school in El Paso. And then, um, yeah, it was a fun place to grow up. I mean, I spent... <laughs> It's a, it was an interesting place to grow up. There's a lot of different cultures there. At that time, you could just drive across the border to Mexico, walk across. So, of course, in high school, we were always at the bars. In Mexico? Mm-hmm. Or we were out in the desert, in the middle of the desert, having parties. And it was a fun place to grow up. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. What was Mexico like back then? Um. So every, So, we would drive across and... Drinking age is what they're... Is, the drinking age... Do they age, even care? They really don't. The drinking age at that time in Mexico was still 18. It is still today. It's 18. So we all had fake IDs to say we were 18. And you were how old? 15, 16. If you look back... Oh, it's absurd. <laughs> it's completely... Like there's no way you should have passed as 18. <laughs> no, no. Um... And we would drive across. Now, the one thing I will give us credit for, we were always very, like, diligent about who was the designated driver. Mm. But um, it was just what you did. And so you, right across the border was, quote, the strip. And it was just a couple blocks of bars. And everyone from El Paso went there. That's just what you did. Uh-huh. And it was relatively safe because... That was how they made their money. So no one got hurt in those few blocks. No one was getting kidnapped. And then we would just drive home. That was it. How far was that drive? Oh, you know, it's so funny. Like, it was probably only about 20 or 25 minutes. It's hard to remember. So you grew up really close to the border then? Well, all of El Paso. I mean, it just... I know it it goes along there. Yeah, it's kind of like a U-shape. Yeah, but we were... Nothing's that far oh, that's in El Paso. True. Yeah. I mean, you just hop on the highway. And this was back in the... Yeah, it's actually 20 minutes would be like... Maybe 30. I mean, I grew up on the west side, so... I don't know. And my dad worked every day in Mexico. He drove across the border every day. Oh, really? So when he got transferred to El Paso, he worked in Mexico. Because uh... they had plants. General Motors had plants. In Mexico. So, so he, were, gro- he drove across the border every single day for work. So you were somewhat comfortable with... It. Yeah, like it didn't... It was just what you did. Yeah. You think like... you th- How old up until at what age did you continue? So did you leave <coughs> El Paso Sorry. after high school? Yes. So I went to A&M for my freshman year, actually. And I hated it. And I transferred to tech. And so I was at tech... Um, and then my parents actually moved back to Indiana after my sophomore year. He got transferred back. Mm. Um, and then I was at Tech for the rest of undergrad and grad school. And that's where I met Jason. You think it's still like that? It's not. You have to have, I mean, first of all, the laws changed and you have to have a passport now. Mm. Even to just drive across. From what I understand. You can probably drive to Mexico just fine. But I'm assuming getting back. Yeah, yeah. Mexico will let you in. Sure. Uh-huh. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at that time, you, we just declared our citizenship. So really? we would drive across. And again, Mexico doesn't care. But coming back, 
they you would just have to declare like we'd all go us 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 and they'd go okay uh, and everyone's well what are you guys doing in mexico and we'd always go we were at dinner i mean so stupid they know that you're it's two o'clock in the morning we weren't at dinner <clears throat> yeah but they don't care as long as no one was especially the driver was visibly intoxicated like Wow, It was very different. But that was late 80s, 90, oh, 91. I graduated changed. high school in 91, so it was a long time ago. Yeah, I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> oh, Mike, can you feel old? So oh, rude. Sorry. No, I know. <laughs> but yeah, I'm still friends with those same That's three awesome. girls. That is mm-hmm. super cool. So then you moved back to Indiana. Or... I didn't. My parents did. I uh-huh. stayed at Tech. I was in Lubbock. So that's where you met Jason, huh? Yep. How did that come about? You saw him playing guitar under a tree? No. <laughs> we met through mutual friends at a bar. Um, and we did not like each other at first. Really? No, and I think... I don't... It doesn't happen often, but sometimes just the first impression you get of someone is totally wrong. And that's, I think, what happened to both of us that night. First of all, he was really grumpy. He didn't want to go out that night, and his friends kind of forced him to go out. So he didn't really want to be there. Yeah. And I had just gotten off work, so I was really excited and kind of, like, hyper and uh. joking and laughing because I had just gotten off work, and I was excited to see my friends, and he was in a completely opposite mood. Uh-huh. And so he was like, who's this annoying chick? And uh-huh. I'm like... Who's the jackass in the corner scowling at everyone? I mean, we just, you know. But then we had these mutual friends, and we all started hanging out more. And then we got to know each other. And then, uh, okay. And then we liked each other. But first impressions were not good. Not good. Not good <laughs> at all. Funny how that happens. It is funny because, I don't know, it just happened that way. Yeah. And Destiny. so then we just started dating. Um, and that was in... Now I'm really... You probably weren't even born. When were you born? 93. Okay, so you were born at least. Uh, so we started dating in 96. Yeah. And then I graduated. Um, let's see. I graduated undergrad that year, that year, but he was still there for another semester when I was in grad school. And then it got really wonky because he graduated and then he was in the army and then all that. And I was still in Lubbock until 1998 when I graduated um, from grad school. You know something that just came to mind? Mm. You're saying, because obviously it's my fault and I did it, but made you feel old. No, you really don't. <laughs> but you know, nowadays, I feel like 50 is the new 40. Maybe and the new 30. Yeah, because it's like you have people like you, Jason, and a lot of people in the gym who are older but still crushing it right and it's like when i was younger when i thought of a 50 year old i'm like that person is oh my gosh when i think of what my parents were like when they were 50 uh-huh. they were acting like they were 70 uh-huh. i feel like we're 50 maybe acting like we're 30 they were 50 <clears throat> acting like they're step i don't know do it's th- just generations okay hold but on. i have another theory on that do you think it's generations or do you think it's because of the people you surround yourself with <laughs> a little of both I think for us, it's who we surround ourselves with. And I also think it has a lot to do with CrossFit. Yes. Which is our community. Yeah. You know, I work from home. Jason has a, his own business. So we don't have work friends. 
our whole social network is the gym, pretty mm-hmm. much. Same here. And one of the things, there's so many things I love about CrossFit. And one of them is that the community is so diverse. Age, background, you name it. And so you get to know people that you probably never would have met. People are getting to know you. Would I? Would we have ever met Absolutely if it weren't not. for... No. Absolutely not. I wouldn't have ever met 98% of the people at the gym if I wasn't doing CrossFit. Yeah. So it's one of the things I love about it. Does it keep us younger? Yes, we all have a thing in common. But I also think it just attracts people with like interests and like goals. Yeah. And similar values. And so then age becomes less relevant. Very true. When all of that is in line, uh-huh. it doesn't matter if they're older or younger. You know, what's funny is like... I mean, one of my, you know, that I became the closest with and still am is Taylor, Shira. Yeah. I could be her mom. I, no, let me back that up. I am older than her mom. Uh-huh. And she's one of my closest friends. Yeah. All of my closest friends... Are probably... Are their, much older. Yeah. At least 10 years older than you. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all, Carter... Right. JR, Rachel, right. you know, Janie, they're all older. Right. But because of the gym, I'm like, these are my friends for sure. And age does become, I mean, when you're 12, you're not going to hang out with 30 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. But once you get to a mature level, then it kind of levels out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that's one of the things. Um, and it was really interesting this last week turning 50 and I was feeling very, introspective about it and just thinking you know I think that happens on big birthdays like you think about your life and where you are and we started CrossFit almost exactly on my 40th birthday and so I think about the last 10 years and how different I was before CrossFit I was not the same person tell me about the previous Lila um well I think the thing that I've gained the most is confidence in who I am. I was not confident before. I was very, um, I don't know if I would say shy, but I just didn't believe in myself. Mm. And CrossFit, and it sounds silly, but there's a lot of people who have the same story or a parallel story like hearing Kay tell her story you just really find out a lot about yourself and that's what it did and for what me. you're capable of and what you're capable of and it has so little to do with physical capability mm-hmm. yes I you know I got stronger and I'm probably in better shape at 50 than I was at 39 but um like, if you had told me at 39 that I would be coaching CrossFit at 50, I would have been like, you're fucking out of your mind. Uh-huh. Just that alone would not, I just would have never thought that I would do that. Yeah. Ever. So all the things that it gave me, self-confidence and self-acceptance and like I spent however many years from early teens to 40 wanting to be smaller and thinner and all the things that I'm just not like that's not my body type, but that's what I wanted, which is really sad. But then I got to CrossFit and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, 
I'm strong and I can I'm do built for this. Yeah, I like I was made for this shit. Around, yeah. Huh? But it gave me a real appreciation and for the first time in my life. I was like, oh, I like my body now for what it can do and what it looks like. And I don't hate my body anymore. I think a lot of women have that story, but I definitely think CrossFit, it's not an overstatement. It changed the like trajectory of my life. Yeah. I forgot forgot who I was talking to. I think it was Bobby in our last, yeah, my, my podcast with him. That podcast you do? Yeah, sometimes. And um, we were talking about it, how mm-hmm. when I'm in the gym or when I'm in CrossFit, typically most other things in my life fall in line. Mm-hmm. And when I fall out, everything else falls apart. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. Yeah, because it breeds consistency in everything. Yep. And it breeds discipline. Yep. In everything that you do. And the want, the drive to get better there mm-hmm. um, breeds the drive to get better elsewhere. Yeah. I will say, going back to how I was like turning 50 and thinking about everything. And this is, okay, this is going to be like a little deep, but. Please. I think that's what this should be about, right? Like, Please. So. <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I thought, okay, when I turn 50, I want to be like in the best shape and lean. And I had this whole idea, right? Like I'm going to crush it. And I just, I want, like, it was just this weird goal to turn 50 and be in the best shape that I'd been in a couple of years ago. That was my goal. What I didn't know <laughs> was that the universe was had different plans for me and that I was going to be in the best shape of my life at 50, but not physical shape. I was going to be in the best mental shape, Mm. the best emotional shape, the best spiritual shape. Like the last year, all I've done is fucking work, but not really in the gym. And so I think I had built up a lot of resiliency in eight or nine years of CrossFit and built that self-confidence and built that self-awareness and built that discipline that I could then apply to working on other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm not in the best shape physically. But you're in one of the best positions you've ever been in in your life. Yeah, because the last year. And, you know, I'll take that. I'll take that. If that means 15 extra pounds, like I'm okay with that. You can lose the 15 easy. If I want to. Yeah. If I need to, my knees probably would say that I need to. (laughs) Do you roll out? (laughs) Oh yeah. Like all I do is rehab now, but that's the, the, I think now, because actually last year, right after my birthday, I started therapy twice a month and that's, that's been. Physical therapy or mental? No, no. Or like. Like counsel, like therapy. And that's helped a lot. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't know that that was going to be what I would have gratitude and appreciation for on my 50th birthday. Uh But I did. So much. So there's just ways we can all improve. It doesn't always happen in the gym. But I'm circling all the way back to what you said. It's like when you're consistent in the gym, then 
you see it pay off in other places. For sure. And I think all of those years of like the consistency and the just the grit to go to the gym even when you don't want to go. And like you're saying, the self-help, self-help books. Like that takes grit. You, sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do. Sometimes you have to think about things you don't want to think about, talk about things you don't want to talk about because it makes you better, mm-hmm. right? And for you, maybe it's Big your time. business. Maybe it's your mental health. Maybe it's something else. Oh, one time it was just telling my brother I'm sorry. Mm. Telling my little brother that I'm sorry mm. for yelling at him. Mm. And telling him that I made a mistake. Yeah. That was a big turning point. That was hard for you? Yeah. Because I grew up in a um, pretty authoritarian household. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom's Cambodian. Yeah. And so there, it's very authoritarian. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a Marine. I've met your dad. Yeah. So um, I always had this idea in my head that I'm the older brother and I know it's best because oh. I was raised in that type of household. Yeah. And I remember the moment uh. when I told my brother I'm sorry and yeah. that I, I made the mistake and I apologized to him. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, it's gotten a lot easier to um, put my ego aside mm-hmm. and to say I fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's made me a better communicator and a much better brother. Uh, but yeah. And friend and person. Yeah, for sure. And it's I hard. So. It's hard to admit that. Uh huh. For any of us, and I, I think it's a a heartfelt apology. You know, you know when an apology is real. Oh, yes. Go ahead. So I was going to say, I have this thing where, like, I'll hear people say, I'm sorry if. I'm sorry if is not an apology. Because you're already making excuses. You're already making it conditional, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that, or I'm sorry when, that's an apology. Like, you're owning the mistake. Mm-hmm. So that's something, if if I... Here, even at work, I mean, because people mess up all the time at work for me. I'm sorry if... I'm like, that's not an apology. Mm. Start over. Yeah. And if you're not sorry, that's okay too. Like, you don't have to be sorry, but don't say you're sorry if you're really not. Yeah. Because that makes it worse. That... Sometimes that shit will eat away at me. Mm. It's it's weird. Mm -hmm. I've gotten to the point... (laughs) It kind of sounds stupid. No. But I got to the point where I feel if I'm an asshole mm-hmm. and I know I was an asshole mm-hmm. it'll eat away at me like I there was there was I went through a phase where I was trying to like deconstruct who I was mm-hmm. and I messaged people on Instagram who I was mean to or had mean interactions with people in high school mm-hmm. five years later mm-hmm. and I told them I'm so sorry for the way I acted in high school you know mm-hmm. I apologize you don't have to respond to my message, but I'm just letting you know. Mm. That was big. And there was a time, sounds goofy, but when I first moved here, I went to the dentist. The guy who was doing my teeth, I felt, I could be wrong, but I felt like he was trying to upsell me on getting shit done. Mm, right. I mean, that happens. So I was rude to him. Oh, okay. I left the dentist, and hours later, I called the dentist's office, and I was like, can you tell the dentist that I was there and I was rude to him and I apologize, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, he probably, it's not something that he would lose sleep over, my assumption, but I was going to mm-hmm. lose sleep over it, you know? Oh, I, 
I know. Like I'm, <clears throat> I tell my therapist all the time, I'm a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> like I hated conflict. Um, I avoided it. Go ahead. You can finish your thought. I'll tell you. No, I just, I avoided it. And what happens when you avoid it is it just gets worse. Mm. So that's one of the things that I've worked on is just, you know, saying my truth. And if I'm worried that someone might not like me or they might be upset, like I have to learn to be okay with that. But um, I was definitely raised, you were raised in an authoritarian. I was, I would say raised in just like, um, no one talked about anything. Like everything's fine. Same Every, with my household. Everyone's fine. And we're not about talk about things that are uncomfortable. And everyone just get good grades and, you know, be that, go to college and do what you're supposed to do. And so I've had to really unravel all of that because at 49, I've had to figure out a lot of stuff mm-hmm. about myself that I didn't know because... I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're doing it at 49 is very important, and it's very, it's great. It is, and it's, I think it's been cu- coming. Like honestly, starting CrossFit, some of that for me started internally as I was just building that confidence. Um, but the last year, I've really like just ripped the bandaid off and good done. Good for you. A lot of work. So whether it's therapy or it's a book or it's a podcast or it's a friend, like I hope people know that you can do the work. Yeah. And you'll be happier. Oh, for sure. And at first it's hard. Oh, yeah. It gets worse at first. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And that's when people stop. And I feel like that's where CrossFit, the mindset of like, okay, I have this 20-minute AMRAP and I really want to fucking quit at 10 minutes. But I know I have to finish. And if uh-huh. you can take that skill and apply that to other shit in your life, that's hard. Uh-huh. That's grit. Yeah, I don't even think it's 10 minutes. It'll be like a 20-minute amrap, and then two minutes in, you're like, good God. You when it's 100, do you know the heat index today was 112? Holy shit. That's what, what does that mean? The temperature was like 98, 99, but the humidity made it feel like 100. Oh. That's why everyone at the gym was just like kind of dragging ass. But also everybody who didn't go to the gym, <laughs> you weaklings, because you're scared of the heat. Gym was quiet today. I felt so bad for everyone today because it was like everyone was there and everyone worked hard. I'm not saying dragging ass like didn't work hard, but just everyone's face was just sort of like, I want to die. Yeah. It's like you're working out in a sauna. I mean, no, literally. not exactly, but, but uh, mm, it's close. A few degrees sort off. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It is easier for us, though, to get people warmed up because they're already warmed up. I hate working out in the winter. I hate it. Because it takes so long to it get It takes up. so long. Yeah. And as you get older, that gets even more, like, my days of rolling in at 429 for the 430 class Don't are... Don't work no more. They're done. Yeah. It doesn't work. My knees are like, I'm going to... Rebel. It's supposed to get hotter too, I think. Yeah, it is. I saw somewhere today that I think it was Dallas, either tied or almost tied the all time high for the dew point, which I think is 
basically humidity, how they measure humidity. Uh-huh. Like it's, it was the most humid it's ever been? Like ever or close to. Interesting. That's not good. I wonder, you know this whole thing about, you know what I need? I need a little notepad. Because there are things that I want to talk about during this conversation mm. that I always forget because they I slip. Yeah, because I don't want to. I want to allow you to say what you're gonna say, mm-hmm. so that I don't interject. But fuck. It's okay. <clears throat> we were talking about a lot of stuff there. Now I just forgot about what I was about Again. to say, but I just started a new thought. Give me a second. There's okay. gonna be some dead air. That's okay. What do you usually ask people about? Uh, anything. We I know just, you don't have a plan. You no, just let just it, talk. which is what I like about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about the dew point. Oh, you know what's fascinating? If mm. I think about my other thought, I'll bring it up. Okay. And I'm going to interject. That's okay. Okay. Um, what's fascinating is the weather's... So people are denying right, climate and all this. and right. I'm not going to get into that, but we're seeing some interesting weather. Like, that freeze that we just had, where it was coming down as rain and then just freezing on trees, I've never seen anything like that in my life. That was crazy. It was wild. And that hailstorm. Did you get any of the hail last week? We did. Yeah. Yeah, we got a ton. Not enough to damage our cars, but we got a ton. Yeah. And did you see the hail that was in Amy's hand? Yes. Massive. Well, and I just saw on Facebook, I think it's been in the last couple of days, there was a hailstorm... North, I want to say up maybe around Fort Worth. For some reason, I'm thinking it was around where Jason's brother lives. Um, but it was like baseball. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, softball size. That is wild. It went through, it went through someone's roof. Imagine wow. you're just chilling on the couch. Uh-huh. And a hail comes Smashes through. Smashes through your roof. Mm-mm. That is scary. Like, that'll kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll, that'll kill somebody for sure. How's your Zeke? He's good. Mm-hmm. He's good. Yeah, he's really good. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. He's a lazy fuck, though. He's got it made. Yeah. What do you expect him to do? I get up. I go to work. He lays on the grass. And? Go get squirrels or something. You know? Why? Put you buy him use. that delicious food at HEB. Why would he go get squirrels? <laughs> and then at whenever I'm cooking dinner, it's so funny, like... I just love to see the pictures of him where you make his little tent where, and he goes to bed uh-huh, and he goes like under, under his blanket. blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and whenever I'm making dinner, if I bring the cutting board out, he'll hear the cutting board and mm-hmm. he immediately comes. Mm-hmm. If I don't give him anything, he'll look at me, like give me like a disappointed look. Then he'll go to the stairs, the bottom of the stairs and look at me mm. like, I'm going to leave if you don't give me food. And what happens? Starts going up the stairs and he just looks at me. He'll stop halfway up the stairs and look at me. <laughs> like he's upset. Like, fine then, you know? Where did you get him? Craigslist in LA. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He was, he was, he changed my life. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I never, I never had a dog that was mine. Mm. And so he was, uh, we had family dogs. Yeah. But it's different. It you is. Know? Way different. It is. <sighs> you know, Kellen just got a kitten mm-hmm. a few weeks ago or however long ago. And uh, 
he loves that cat. And it makes me so happy because he has something that's his and that make that makes him happy and he can come home to his apartment and there's this cat waiting for him, you know. Yeah. I just think pets can change your life. Oh, for sure. You know. And Zeke, he taught me a lot. We I was I was in like a weird place because I had left How old is he? Um nine. Okay. Yeah. I was in a weird place because I was 18 when I got hit. No. I was... I think I was 20 when I got him. You're going to be 30 this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I was 20. God, you're fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I got him, <clears throat> I was in like a weird place because I had left a friend group that I didn't feel was good for me. Mm-hmm. And I did everything with him. Mm. Everything. Like... Wake up, he's with me. Take him in my car, go to the store, he's with me. Yeah. Spending eight hours a day with him. It was amazing. It taught me a lot, though. It taught me about discipline for sure, because I would spend... I would say two hours a day for, like, the first six months just training him. Mm-hmm. Just super consistent, super consistent. And you have to be home, and you have to, you know, you had to... Um. He was probably a priority for a while. He was my only free time. Yeah. Like, when I had things to do with friends, I'm like, man, I got my dog. Yeah. Or I would take him with me. Right. You know? Like, he was my child. And then you moved here. Yeah. S- coming up on seven years. Yeah. So am I considered a Texan yet? I don't think I'm even considered a Texan. What do you mean? You grew up in El Paso. Um, Jason tells me repeatedly that. El Paso doesn't count. <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> to be fair, El Paso is sort of its own little weird universe. Um, it is obviously officially part of Texas, but it's more this weird conglomeration of Texas and New Mexico and Mexico. I mean, it's different. Uh-huh. Um, I remember the first time Jason met my three friends from El Paso. We had dinner. He'd never met all... He, I don't, That was the first time he ever met them. Maybe he had met one. He had met one in Houston when I lived in Houston. But So it was all of us at dinner. And... Hold on. Uh-huh. I'm sorry I have to do this. Do it. It's just going to make me feel better. Okay. I was going to tell you earlier... I don't even know if this is the thing I was going to think of, but I'm going to tell you this. Hopefully this was the thing I was going to think of. Uh-huh. But you know how you were talking about you were very introspective about... Uh-huh your work and that you wanted to be physically in a different spot, but you were mentally. Yeah. It's very, uh, a beautiful thing that it's almost like you didn't get what you wanted, but you got what you needed. That's exactly what happened. That's what I said that I guess that's probably what I meant where the universe had a different plan. Uh huh. Like I, I've, that's what I needed. A hundred percent what I needed this year. That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, continue on. So he met your friends. So we went out to dinner, and we've been friends since we were eight years old. So it's total chaos. And we got in the car, and we were supposed to go to a concert that night. And we actually were really late for the concert because we were having so much fun at dinner. So we got in the car from dinner, and we were driving to the concert. And Jason said, I feel like I just met people from your home planet. And now that's the joke forever. Um, one of them, the last one who had a birthday and we surprised her, 
her husband put us all on a group chat and he named the group chat Planet El Paso. So it's just a funny, weird. So no, I don't think you're considered a Texan unless you are born in Texas. Mm. According to my husband, uh-huh. who was born in Dallas. So if you're born in Austin, are you considered a Texan? Austin's uh, a little different. Maybe only, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother, I don't like talking politics, but. Austin's a whole different it's place. It's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely different. So talk to me. Go ahead. Right. No, I don't have what did you? What did you go to school for? So I did not know what I wanted to go to school for until probably after, towards the end of my sophomore year. And um, there was another girl who lived in my dorm who was going for speech pathology. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And so I, the next semester I took their intro class. It was called Introduction to Communication Disorders. And I liked it. And so I declared my major and applied to the undergrad program. And um, so I got my bachelor's in communication disorders. And then I stayed in Lubbock and went to tech for my master's in communication disorders. So my background is I'm a speech pathologist. And um, I've been doing that since 1998. So that's what you do now. It's not. That's the funny story. So um, a couple years into it, this is actually... I remember maybe about a year or two ago, Jason and I were talking about life stuff and he maybe said, what's your biggest regret? Or I don't know what it was. And I said, I wish I'd done something different. Like I, I wish I hadn't gotten that degree. I wish I had done something different, but I thought I was too far down the road and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't have the courage Mm -hmm. at the time to change my mind or say, I don't know what I wanted to do. My parents were very much of the mindset, like you go to college and you get a degree and then you get a job in that degree. Like that's their boomers. That's their generation. Um, and even after I got my bachelor's degree, I didn't want to go to grad school. I knew I didn't really want to do this. I could do it. It was fine. Like it was fine, but I didn't love it. Um, and I told my parents that I didn't want to go to grad school and, um, that didn't go very well. So again, at the time I didn't have the courage and the confidence to say, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. So I went to grad school because Mm -hmm. that's what they wanted me to do. Um, so basically what happened was within a couple years, I tried to find ways to, use that knowledge that I have and the experience that I have, but leverage it into like a different type of job. So I'd been doing, I'm trying to think like, um, we were moving from Augusta, Georgia, and I was working in the schools and we were moving back to San Antonio. This was in 2007. And so I was like, I'll just get another job in the schools. It's easy. I have summers off. I've been doing it a long time. I liked working in the schools because I liked working with a lot of different people. I think that's what I liked about it the most was working with so many different people, teachers and administrators. And um, so I interviewed for a job in Northeast through a contract company. Very long story short, 
the person interviewing me was the Texas manager, and I knew her from grad school. Oh, wow. And she said, if you take this job, I'll recommend you for my job because I'm moving in a year. Her husband was in the Navy. So we had that connection. Jason was still in the Army. Her husband was in the Navy. And I was like, deal. So she did. And a year later, um, they did promote me to the Texas manager. And then that just continued to grow. That was in 2008. Um, So... The last uh, 12 years, I've been in 100% management. Of schools? Of, yes, people and contracts and projects. So I don't practice anymore as a speech pathologist. I've completely shifted it to a leadership position, which I love. So it worked out in the end. Because I get to do what I really like, which is work with people and processes and clients and um, figuring out how to help people. Schools come to my company that I work for, for staffing, for trainings, for compliance. So my job is basically staffing, recruiting, hiring, contract fulfillment, and contract execution, and then professional development. Um, so I love it, but I knew early on, like if I'm a speech pathologist in the schools for the next 30 years, like I'll lose my mind. It was just the monotony of it didn't appeal to me, but what I do now is interesting and fun. And I've worked really hard over the last probably seven years to, um, get other like certifications and trainings, um, to, I guess I'm, I've always been really aware that my resume doesn't match up with my education, my formal education. My formal education is super specific, like it's speech pathology. Um, so I've done a lot of other like year-long certifications and things like, I just finished another one because I can't stop. <laughs> so. You were mentioning that you were traveling for work like two weeks out of the month. Or yeah. Something. What was that for? So back in 2011 to about um, 2016, we had the company that I worked for, we had a contract in Ohio with 10 charter schools and I oversaw that contract. So I was traveling to Ohio every month because I would have to do a site visit. We were contractually obligated. I would do a site visit and observations and meet with my leadership team out there. Um, so that was for several years. And I still have Ohio in my region. I still have clients in Ohio. So what is exactly a speech pathologist? So speech pathologists, our role is to either, well, so let's say we work with children okay. who have a speech delay. That can be speech sounds, the sounds that we make, you hear a lot of. Like um, our therapy, like if a kid says wabbit instead of rabbit, okay, mm-hmm. he's in speech therapy or she's in speech therapy. Um, so there's there's um, that early intervention or intervention in the school's treatment. Also, there could be rehabilitation. So it might be teaching a person, training a person to learn skills they never had. Or let's say you had a stroke and you lost those skills, then it's rehabilitation. 
Um, the general areas are articulation, speech sounds, language, expressive, receptive language, social language, so um, voice, voice disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's just so many different swallowing. That's the other, like, big one. So it's been years since I've done swallowing therapy, but there were times when I was working with adults who had strokes, and so we were doing swallowing therapy. Um, eating, just not eating disorders, um, but, like, swallowing disorders, those types of things. Like I mean, they it's can't just, swallow? Like, they can't swallow. Like, if you have a stroke and you have nerve damage, you may not be able to swallow. So it's not oh. safe for you to swallow certain types of food generally thin liquids i mean it's just like it is an incredible um career choice there are so many jobs out there and you can work one day a week you can work seven days a week you can work in the schools hospitals rehab centers early intervention home health the va i mean it's just endless it's one of the top i know it's been in the top 10 careers multiple times really um and i there were a lot of things that i loved about that when i was practicing um i just think i'm better at this i think i'm better on the business side of it yeah for me my ex wanted to be a speech speech pathologist Mm -hmm. she was a teacher she is but she built like a sound wall uh-huh. where it had like pictures of how your mouth is supposed to move yeah. for certain. Mm-hmm. She was a really good um, teacher at how to read. Right. The foundation. The reading foundation, foundation skills. Unbelievable yeah. at that. She got kids from like not being able to read at all to levels above in a few months which is a huge deal mm-hmm. because from about kindergarten through second grade you're learning to read right fine but then around third grade you read to learn so if you can't read you're not learning she was a second and third grade teacher mm-hmm. and she had kids who didn't know how to read mm-hmm. so it was it's really hard for them to learn absolutely but she got them to that point and then and... it even gets to like math because now you're getting into there's you know, story problems in math. Well, I can't even read the problem, so I don't know how to solve the math problem. Mm. Even if you're good at... The word problems? Yeah, word problems. Like, even if you're not... Even if I'm good at math calculation, if I can't read the math problem. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. So, now I just um, uh, do... Like, normally this time of year, I would be hiring, recruiting and hiring, but I'm fully staffed for next year. But you're recruiting, hiring speech pathologists? So we hire, we hire all special education providers. Oh, speech, okay. Speech, physical therapists, occupational therapists, behavior interventionists, special ed teachers, so like, school psychs. I have a friend who mm-hmm. has a kid with, um, he's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So he goes to like special classes. Mm-hmm. So you would be somebody who hired the staff to help him. If that school, recru- yes, wanted oh, us to. So they contract with the company I work for, for different things. Um, in Ohio right now, I have three schools that we provide special education oversight for their special ed department. We don't uh, employ any of their teachers, but we provide all of the oversight. Um, 
and it's fun. And I just finished a year, not a year long, 10 month class. And I have a 40 hour practicum I have to finish. Um, and then I'll be a special ed advocate. I'll have another certificate specialized training. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But, um, Someday, the job I have now, which is cush, let me tell you, it's really cush. <laughs> Good. And I'm going to stick that out. Um, Good. But someday, it's a private education company, and they sell. Eventually, it'll sell. And sometimes when that happens, the senior leadership is the first to go. So I'm just aware that someday, whether it's my choice or not, I hope it's my choice, that I might have to do something different. Uh -huh. And I want to be in a position to do that. I want to, I want what's on my resume to reflect everything that I can do. Yeah. And then hopefully I can get another similar job. Can you, you, you deal with more of the special ed side of things? Only special ed. Mm -hmm. Do you have an understanding of how the charter school system works? I do. Can you give me some insight on two things? Yeah. One, what separates a charter school from a private school? Or are those the same things? They're not. Okay. So what separates uh, the charter schools from private schools uh -huh. and also public schools? Mm -hmm. And also, what is the state of the education system right now in the United States <laughs> as you know it? <laughs> So your first question, charter schools are public schools. So if you think of a big umbrella, public schools, charter schools fall under that. And so do um, like independent, like school districts, like Comal Independent School District is a public school, but it's a large school district. So whenever you have large districts. I'm sorry. Yeah. I lost my train of thought. It's okay. My train of focus. You're good. Can you repeat what you just I said? I will. Comal is a... No, public schools. Think okay. of a big umbrella, umbrella. that says okay. public schools. Uh-huh. Charter schools are under that, and so are school districts. Okay. But charter schools are separate from school districts, so... I see, I see. Um, they're still publicly funded. They still follow the same rules that independent, large school districts have to follow. Um, but they are sometimes started by for-profit companies. So okay. there's a lot of different companies that start charter schools. The difference is usually, so there's a, there's a, so, so think about this big idea of school choice. It doesn't really apply so much in Boulevardy Spring Branch, but let's say you're in a large city that has a poorly rated school district and that's the only place you can go. And then a charter school opens two blocks away. Now you have school choice. You can choose because all charters are open enrollment. They have to be because they're publicly funded. So now I don't have to send my kids to the shitty elementary that I'm zoned for. I can send them to this charter over here. It's a school choice. The only thing that really is different is a lot of times charter schools have more flexibility in the different instructional models that they have, they still have to follow whatever the, whether it's core curriculum or in Texas, it's the Texas curriculum teaks. Um, but charter schools are public schools. They just have a little more 
flexibility and choosing. So it's just a more flexible public school. It's just a school choice. Yeah. And it's like here in Spring Branch, like we don't need a charter school because we have highly rated school system. Now, private schools are usually faith-based. Um, and they are parents pay tuition. They get to choose their own curriculum. They don't have to really answer to anyone. Um, and they're, like I said, they're usually faith-based. So like Bracken is mm-hmm. a big one here. Uh, Gloria Deo is here. And they're pretty expensive. Are charter schools going to phase out public schools? Oh, no. Mm-mm. I know there's a lot of... Um, it depends on each state, but some states, there's been a lot of controversy because the funding for the charters kind of filters through the districts. So the districts feel like they're losing money. Um, I don't think charters, my opinion, I don't think charters will phase out districts, but in some ways they are forcing districts. They are forcing poorly performing districts to try to do better. Because they're losing kids, Because right? they're losing enrollment. And what? if you don't have enrollment, then you're not getting funding. Yeah. And you can't pay your superintendent yeah. their big bucks. Wasn't there like a kid who opened up a bunch of charter schools? Uh, it was like in his 20s. It was, uh, was it in Texas? And he like cashed out big time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? There, there, I don't. But it doesn't surprise me because I, I mean, and you know I, op- I helped open a charter. Um, I co-founded a charter in Ohio. I don't, I don't do day to day. Like I just was a co-founder. I helped them open. It was a great experience, but I learned that I don't want to open a school, but there are a lot of sketchy people out there who are just trying to make money, unfortunately. And there needs to be more oversight. And there is, um, what are the names that comes back to the school board? What are the names of the charter schools that are popular? Because aren't isn't there like a chain of them in Texas? Idea is a huge one. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Idea. So Idea got hammered because I don't remember the details. I'm sure someone could Google it. But I know they got hammered about they were like taking private jets somewhere. I think it was that kid. It might have been. Can you Google that on your phone for yeah. me? Who created Idea Charter Schools? Okay. You're going to be my young Jamie. He's the guy who looks things up for Joe Rogan. (laughs) Okay. Lila, please Google this. Please pull that up. Yep. Because I'm pretty sure he started up a bunch of them and then he just cashed out. But how would you go about cashing out? Um, Sell it. So it's, it's almost a private entity that's publicly funded. Some of them, like the um. What does it say on there? I'm trying to look. <clears throat> it doesn't say who founded it. I know it started in the valley. I don't know. It's that's okay. Good. We'll yeah. look it up later. But um, um, any industry, there's gonna be people, unfortunately. Who are looking to just make a profit if they see an opportunity, you know, and there yeah. and charters can there are opportunities there, and that comes down to the board. But what I've experienced is that every charter has to have a board, 
And a lot of times the board is just handpicked friends of mm-hmm. whoever's running the charter. So there's there's a lot of improvement that could still be made in how charters are um, not governed. What would be the right word? Run? Yeah, like there just needs to be more oversight. Um, I know in Ohio there's a secondary like person. It's called a um, sponsor who oversees the charter, and that helps a lot because it's just another point, like a checks and balances. Um, I don't know. I feel but like... the but to answer your question, our education system is pretty much trash. I feel like charter schools recently got popular. No? They have been getting more popular for, I hope, mostly good reasons. Like, yeah. you know, people with good intentions who want to offer a high-quality education in places that need them. But there are people out there who are trying to make money, for sure. Okay. And we should be paying te- you know, and as far as our education oh, system, God. it's a mess. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's awful. I don't know how to fix it. But I know that teachers are leaving education in droves. And it's really sad. Mm-hmm. Teachers are by far, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the most underpaid mm-hmm. workers in America. Underpaid and overworked. You 1,000%. Have, you have a teacher who is in charge of basically babysitting 30 kids, mm-hmm. 20 to 30 kids, mm-hmm. and they're getting paid. $50,000 a year? If that? Not even. Yeah. It's really sad. It's really and sad. And they're spending 5000 of their own money. Yes. On so, supplies. Uh, I mean, minimum. It's terrible. Plus, kids are... Um, and it's become more and more difficult to have any kind of consequences mm-hmm. or accountability mm-hmm. for behavior. Yep. And everything is the teacher's fault. You know, if a kid fails a test, it's the teacher's fault. I know so many teachers who are leaving because, I mean, mostly because of adults. The parents, the administrators, Mm -hmm. the superintendents. Um, It's really hard. And, And for students, it's horrible. Because right now, from... From the perspective of someone who hires people to work in schools, I can't find anyone. Mm. And I know it's the same. It's across the nation because we work in a lot of different states. The company I work for, we're in a lot of states. And um, we just can't find people. So They don't want to, huh? They don't want to. And they also, and I, I do sometimes get really outrageous like compensation requests from people I interview. I'm like, good luck. I can't pay you that much. But yeah. um it's really bad, I would say. It's really, really bad because then you end up hiring people. I mean, I can't do this for special ed, but like in for classroom teachers, then you end up hiring long-term subs or someone on a temporary license or someone who doesn't really have the experience that you want, but you've got to have somebody in the classroom. Yeah. So it just becomes now this vicious cycle. Bless any teacher's souls because... They should be making three times yeah. what they make. And they're working from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Because after they get out of the school, they're yeah. doing lesson plans. And yeah. And then they still have teach... And then they'll still have parents sending them shitty emails at 9 p.m. Yeah. About how everything's their fault. Yep. You know? And so... 
I don't know how to fix it. I just know it's a mess. And we need quality teachers. And the only way we're going to get quality teachers to stay, pay them more and like a lot more. Not a $10,000 stipend, like double. Mm-hmm. They need smaller classrooms, but mm-hmm. we can't have smaller classrooms until we have more teachers. So it's not working. That's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, and there just has to be a better way to measure student performance than state tests. There's so much pressure on teachers for their students to pass these state tests. And I do. there's got to be a way to hold t- schools accountable. I don't know a better way, but state tests is just not it. You know what's really fucked up is that... Because a whole year... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Let me just say this. Go ahead. A whole... Not year, because they do state testing, let's say in like March. Let's say six months of instruction. I'm a teacher. I'm busting my ass for six months to teach these kids. And you're going to test them on one day. And that's all that matters. Show yeah. me any other... in Like, even as an adult, it doesn't even happen that way. Yeah. I don't know. It's fucked up. It is. I'm going to go work at Target when I'm done with this job. Bucky's is paying $22 an hour, $23 an hour. I tell Jason all the time, like, he always, God bless him, like, I'm married to the world's biggest cheerleader. Like, he always, 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 always has believed in me more than I've ever believed in myself. And he, so I just finished this class and he's like, open your own business. Open your own advocacy business, your own consulting business. Like, you can do it. And he's, and I could, but I just don't think I want to do that right now. Yeah. Um, some of it is the financial risk. And some of it is, like, I work from home. Two months out of the year, I'm barely working because it's summer. And I get five weeks paid vacation. Just like you said, you're cush. It's cush, man. Cush. Why would I mess with that? It's cush, bro. I can bro. go to the gym whenever I want. Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> I mean, you got it nice. It's nice. But but someday, when I need to do something else, I want to be in the position to do it. So you'll cross that bridge and you get yeah. there. But enjoy I wish the I had some of your entrepreneurial spirit, though. It's just not my thing. I got lucky. I, I I grew up privileged, so I'm not afraid to take that risk. Yeah. And that's um, it's a privilege, and I, I don't owe that to myself. It's more so the fact that my um, dad set me up so that I could take risks. Yeah. But you're still taking them. It's true. So don't overlook that. See, I grew up with parents who are very risk-aversive and very much like, status quo the safe bet this whatever's safe whatever's comfortable yeah i grew up with a mom who came from cambodia so I, isn't it funny that if there's a risk she says i can take it <laughs> you know I like know. it's not any scarier than crossing the jungles of thailand to get over here yeah but i've tried to i've tried to and i think we've been successful we've tried to give our our kids a little bit different um mindset on that Mm -hmm. like you don't have to first of all you don't have to have it figured out at 19 or 20 or even 25 that's kind of the idea yeah like right after you get out of high school figure it out well and you know kellen he went to school and then a couple weeks ago he was like i'm gonna take a year off like i don't even know what i want to do why am i spending money on this and we were fully supportive and i thought okay 
Like that was a win in my head of he made that decision for what was best for him and he knew we would support him. And I would have never done that at that age. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, Hannah's, she went to college, but she's gonna, she's just got accepted to AmeriCorps. She's going to take a year. She was telling me. Yeah. So That's like, awesome. I think hopefully we've helped them understand and really believe that you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Two things I was going to say. One is mm-hmm. it's wild how the education system, like you're saying, is um, falling apart and you're not really sure of how to fix it. And our government always talks about what's best for America mm-hmm. and wanting, quote unquote, wanting or doing mm-hmm. what's best. But when you think about communities, you think about how are we going to get this community to be the best for the future of the community. And a lot of times, if not all the time, that is to raise humans to be their best possible selves, but also to raise humans who are um, educated on how the world works, but just educated in general. Mm -hmm. And we're not putting the resources into educating the next generation. And so... No, we're just teaching them how to take a test. I don't see how. No, it's a, it's a, it's a really convoluted, difficult problem. What is, what does convoluted mean? I don't think there's an easy, I don't think it's just, you know, obviously like federal or state legislation could help drive some change in education. But then we also have to pay teachers more. Mm. So then we have now we have funding issues and how are we going to solve the funding mm. issues? And then, quite frankly, parents and kids. I mean, there's still I've seen a real shift in the last 20 years of if a student isn't performing well, it's the teacher's fault mm-hmm. versus maybe it's the kid's fault. Is it a, is it a synonym to like complex, convoluted? Yeah, I think so. You know, like it's just not an easy answer. Yeah. There's a lot of different factors. Uh huh. And I don't get paid enough to figure that shit out. You know, it's it's very, it's fascinating. I think it's also an ego thing that um, the general population has is the de- general population doesn't like to admit their faults. Uh-uh. And doesn't like to put blame on themselves for certain things. Uh-huh. So they'd rather blame the teacher than their own inefficiencies at home when it comes to raising their kids. I saw something. 100%. I saw something on Facebook today. You know Patrick Mahomes? Uh-huh. The quarterback for the Chiefs. It was about him. He played at Tech where we went to school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I saw a post online uh-huh. about a picture, a couple pictures of him. One, drinking at a uh, Luke Combs concert on stage. Okay. Chugging beers. Mm -hmm. And the second one was him drinking at the parade. Mm -hmm. And somebody... Somebody posted Mm -hmm. um, one of those, like, uh, petition website things where you can create petitions. Yeah. They're asking for 50,000 signatures to get him to stop drinking in public because so many kids look at him. And it's like... When did it get to the point where it became Patrick Mahomes' responsibility to teach your kid right and wrong and to raise him? I thought it was the parents. That's right. So it's it's just like 
a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Teach your kids how to be good humans. Mm -hmm. Give your kids. But then it's also convoluted because (laughs) I just thought about this right now. Because while I'm saying this, there is a double-edged sword. Yeah. The way life is set up right now is there are so many people struggling Mm -hmm. that they don't have the time to give their kids the attention they need. And they don't want to put the blame on themselves because the system's pretty fucked up. Yeah, they don't have any resources. Yeah. And I think that's a whole nother conversation about community. And um, I think we have a really unique perspective maybe with the community we're in with CrossFit because we, and we see it. We've seen people at our gym who were in need, whatever it is. You know, you and I were helping somebody move the other week. Like, but there are a lot of people in the world that they don't have anyone they can call. Mm-hmm. They don't have anyone who can help because maybe everyone they know is also struggling. Yeah. And, you know, the charter school that I did help open, we opened it in a neighborhood in an area that we knew the schools were terrible and we knew that the families really needed a lot of support and help and that was why I wanted to do it and it was a wonderful experience. I just didn't want to run a school. Yeah. But um yeah, there's a lot of communities out there that just and I think if you have any life experience, you know, I've lived in a lot of different places, you've lived in different places, so we know that there are people out there who aren't as privileged as we are. <laughs> this is gonna sound really shitty, but um Dumb. so you know we go on forty six and to go to the gym. Oh, what did you say? We drive down 46 to go to the gym. Okay, yeah, of course. Uh And there's Bill Brown, and there's two other schools. Like, there's three schools. Bill Brown's right there if you're going to go to Walmart. Yeah, there's three schools in, like, a half-mile radius. Bill Brown, Bracken. No, well, Bracken, too, but Bill Brown, that's, like, Arlen C. and Spring Branch Middle. Uh Like, they're all right there. What's the other one? Arlen C. Yeah, what what is that? It's an elementary. It's right by Spring Branch. So, have you ever tried to drive to the gym around four o'clock and it's just lines of people right mm-hmm. so when we first moved here wait real quick where is that school located it's you've you've seen it like if you're driving towards the gym towards the gym from walmart okay like if you're driving towards the gym you go past the light where heb is yes and it's right there on the left hand side where that school zone is that's not Spring Branch Middle School? And Arlen C. Elementary. There's two schools up there. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Okay. There's three schools uh-huh. in a half mile. Okay. And the traffic's horrible. Yeah. Right? So when we first moved here, I mean, I had a full-time job. I worked in Northeast ISD. My kids rode the fucking bus. They were in kindergarten and second grade. Second grade. And the people around here who were horrified... That I put my kids on the bus. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, I have to go to work. Like, how? They ha- Stay-at-home moms. There's a big fucking yellow bus that parks in front of my house and picks them up and takes them to school. Yeah. And um, I don't begrudge anyone that they pick their kid up from school and take them to school. Like, that's wonderful and it works for you. And I get it. You don't want your kid to be on the bus for 45 minutes. Like, uh-huh. I understand. But just acknowledge what a fucking privilege that is. Oh, for sure. Because there are so many kids uh-huh. across so many states that they ride the bus every day to every day. and from school. Yep. 
because they have to. I used and to ride a short bus. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. No, for real, I did. <laughs> and there were a lot, and there are a lot of parents who don't have the choice but to put their kids on that bus. Yeah. And it's funny, my kids. One time, Callum was like, "You know how I always bitched about the bus," and I was like, "Yeah." And he was, I think it actually like made me better. I was like, "Yeah." Yeah. Because it's like, it's just one of those things where you learned. Okay, I just have to ride the bus because this is what I have to do. You know what's sad? Is that I don't know. It's just I don't know why it just irritates me. And every time I drive down Forty Six and there's so much traffic, I'm like, No, I can see why. It's on the bus. Yes, and I get yes. it. We have a really large district, and they might be on the bus for a really long time, and maybe they get home late. Like I get it, but you know, it's just we're raising kids who never have any adversity ever at all. Yeah. They didn't even have to ride the bus. Yeah. My dad, has, my dad used to walk 10 miles uphill in the snow. Both ways. Can you believe that? I don't even school. know how that's possible. Me neither. He must have taken a different route. He said, he, said, <laughs> he said he wore a plastic bag as a backpack on his back. I mean, that might be. And it's just, a, and I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent about your kids riding the bus. But I guess my point is that, like, if your kids never have any... Adversity. Thing that's a little bit hard. Yeah. Like. Beat your kids every once in a while. God damn it. Just, I mean. I used to get knocked in the head for not eating all my rice. And look how you turned out. My head's a little fucked up, but. I mean, short bus and all. <laughs> Is that why you got to ride the short bus? No, it's because I went to a. I went to a. I'm going I'm to brag for a second. I went to a gifted and talented school. I believe that. Like a gate program, they called mm-hmm. it. And uh, that was the only bus they had available. Yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, but I used to take the bus to school. I used to walk to school. I, I walked if, to school. Yeah, I don't know if kids do that nowadays. Well, to be fair, not around here. I mean, unless yeah, you're it's, in... it's far. Unless you're in Johnson Ranch and you go to Johnson Ranch Elementary. Like, you're not going to be walking You probably can't. I mean, and that's why I say, like, I get it. Our... Our district is very widespread, and mm-hmm. I know when Callum rode the bus for middle school, I mean, he was on the bus for about 40 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a... Sorry, but I don't have an hour out of my day... To wait in traffic. That I can't... Yeah. Like, I have shit to do. Yeah. I don't know. What time What time do these schools typically get out? Do you know? I don't know. 3.30? I mean, elementary... Been a while since I've had an elementary kid. I think high school gets out out around, maybe middle and high school get out around four twenty or something. Because four. it's wild. They're at, at Raw Elementary in Bulverde. There are parents who line up to at pick like their two kids o'clock. Up. Yeah, like an hour before their kid gets out because they have to be first. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, is there not? You really have not? Like, goddamn, you have nothing better to do than to just sit in your car and wait for your kid. Mm-mm. Good grief. Mm -mm. And I remember being, when I was in Northeast, this was a long time ago, but, um, like, if a student's parent, like, if the student was the last one picked up, they'd be like, I can't believe my mom isn't here yet. I'm like, what the hell? Look at the line. You know, there's just... I used to wait, I used to have to wait two hours. My dad forgot about me one time. (laughs) At middle school. Yeah, I'm pretty Uh, sure And I'd have a damn cell phone then. I'm just like... (laughs) waiting 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 yep. he finally pulls up and he's like sorry i forgot I'm like thanks 
I had to go to the school office and say, can I call my mom? Yeah, she forgot and they, about me. They were like, um, is your mom coming? I'm like, you know, I would always lie because I'm embarrassed. I'm like, yeah, she's on the way. She said she's on oh, the yeah, way. she's coming. But she really didn't pick up her phone? Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I hated that. Mm-mm. But it built me to who I am. That's so. what I'm saying. Like, it's you important. gotta have a little... I mean, I even think about the experience my kids had moving so much. It was hard sometimes. And moving back here when they were in middle school, like, that sucked. But you know what? It built some resiliency in them. And now they just, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, Hannah was like, I'm going to go to Italy for the semester. Eh, no big deal. Yeah. Callum's always been super independent. I'm, and no one's perfect. Shit, my kids certainly are not, and I'm not. But if your kids never have to struggle at all, uh-huh. the first time they struggle, if the first time they ever struggle is in a job. Yeah. Game over. They're going to get fired. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to struggle mentally because they wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. everything was handed to them on a little platter. By the way, if any of you people listening pick up your kids an hour before school. They all do, so they all hate me now. We're not talking about you. We're talking about the other people, by the way. <laughs> I get it. If, if, I, if I could, I probably would have. Yeah. I don't know. I just think, to your point, like... The ones that line up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and their kids don't even get out till 3.30. Yeah. It's wild. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. It's but wild. I was a stay-at-home mom for not very long and I didn't. I wasn't good at it. Um, you know, you're talking about them traveling a lot and moving. It's, it's a beautiful thing also that they learned about different cultures mm-hmm. because they have an idea and they're... Mm-hmm. They don't grow up in a bubble, and I think mm-hmm. that's what happens to a lot of people as well. Grow up in their bubble, and they think that the world is like their bubble, mm-hmm. and then they get out into the world, or they um, judge other parts of the world because they believe that where they live is how things should be, when that's not the truth. So no, I and think I think y'all moving is really good for them too. Yeah, they got to live in some cool places. They got to live in some not cool places. Uh huh. Um. Kellen was born in Germany. Like, that's pretty cool. He doesn't remember it. Where in Germany? Würzburg. Mm. We were I just, wouldn't know where that is. But. It's about an hour from Frankfurt. Um, we were just talking the other day, the four of us, because Kellen was home, about what trips we want to take. And he was saying, I'd like to go back to Germany, like where I was born. Because he was only a year and a half old when we moved. So he just doesn't remember it. But yeah. And Hannah was born in Louisiana. <laughs> Sorry. I want to go back to where I was born. Like, no. Nah. No, you don't. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll end it here. I know it's getting late. But I want to do another one. And I would love to talk about your travels and, and mm. what it was like being a, an army wife. and Yeah. How you went about that, what you learned. and We can talk about all that. All about where you lived and, you know, the different cultures you got to experience. Yeah, we should do that. All right. Well, Lila, thank you so much. Thank you, friend. This was amazing.